This is episode 351 of The Real Me and Colin, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase is going to take a look at the Batman. So what will he think about it? Well, you're just going to tune in and find out. This episode starts right now. What is going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of The Real Me and Colin, a movie podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Chase Lee. And thank you for joining me on this day or night or whenever you're listening to this. You guys are awesome. And, you know, speaking of you guys, if you could spread this episode around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to, that would be much appreciated. Hey, there's got to be someone out there in your life, right, that just doesn't really care for movies or just think movies are boring or whatever. Maybe we can convince them to love movies and just be a part of this wonderful community that you guys have helped set up. I really like talking to you guys every single week, and I really hope we can bring some light and joy to other people's lives as well that would be awesome but anyways you guys support throughout all these weeks and years and all that stuff it just truly means a lot and you guys are the best so i love every single one of you this is episode 351 like i said at the top i will be going over the batman as the main topic of conversation super excited to talk about that and then uh before we get into all that i wanted to kind of go over director matt reeves's filmography and maybe even robert pattinson's so people out there that just see twilight and go i don't want to see batman because the twilight kids in it well i'm gonna have some recommendations for you and you can kind of go from there but um yeah i wanted to kind of talk about all that and uh yeah it's gonna be a fun episode but uh before we get into all of that i must ask as usual how you guys doing? You guys doing pretty good? Um, it is almost mid-March. The year is flying by in 2022. So, yes, I hope everyone is having a fantastic March so far. Um, as far as catching up on shows, um, we finished Pam and Tommy. Um, great little miniseries. I kind of wish Hulu just would have dropped the whole thing at once um, instead of waiting week to week. But we liked that one. Finished up Euphoria season, season 2. Wonderful stuff as usual. Righteous Gemstones, looking forward to season three. I just, I love the fact that that show keeps elevating itself and there's just more entanglement to like more and more dirty people in the the religious realm uh, with like, you know, gangster and mobster mentalities. I don't know. I just love it. Um, But yes, finish that up. Um, I'm still continuing Better Call Saul. I still haven't even finished season one yet. I know, I know I'm behind. I'm, I'm trying to like catch up before the final season in April, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, I'm still just watching South Park on the regular, Family Guy. Um, uh, looking forward to... What's that show? Oh my... Uh, Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta here. I think it uh, season three is in a couple weeks, so looking forward to that. So... Yeah, just kind of catching up on a bunch of different things, but yeah, also just enjoying uh, watching these movies too. And speaking of movies, the next week's episode, um, which will be on Wednesday the 16th, will be the Turning Red episode, uh, the newest film from Pixar that actually hits Disney Plus uh, Friday, uh, March 11th um, at no extra cost. So uh, yeah, so that will be next week's episode. And they haven't decided what will be the week after or the week after that, so yeah, I'm just kind of doing it a couple weeks at a time, um, but I don't know if they're going to premiere on the day that I say, but I will try my best. Sometimes life just gets in the way, but yes, that's the, the prospect for um, next week. We'll be turning red. Okay, so the Batman has come out, and you know, a lot of people are, are, are loving it. A lot of people are not really loving it. I've seen a lot of people just think it's okay, so I would actually like to go over 
um, maybe some of the director's previous films and maybe even Robert Pattinson for all those doubters out there that's just like, Robert Pattinson, he was the vampire kid. And it's like, yeah, that was like 10 years ago. Can we give him some credit, please? Anyways, um, yeah, so let's start with uh, director Matt Reeves and kind of go over some of the um, the movies that I, I have uh, seen by him growing up and just seeing how his career has flourished and it's just been amazing to watch. The first one that he did that really, I think everything that he's done so far, I hate using this word because it makes this, makes me sound super old, but a banger. Every single film that he's done just been an absolute banger. Um, in 2008, did this uh, small little film, Cloverfield. You guys remember that one? Found footage, monster film in um, in the city. That had one of the best uh, trailer campaigns I've ever seen in my life because it really didn't tell you anything. And it was from Bad Robot. It was from J.J. Abrams. So they just don't tell you anything. They're like, oh, Cloverfield, it's so mysterious and everything. Um, and then when you watch it, you're like, yeah, it was a pretty great movie. And I remember also they had the Star Trek teaser in front of it as well. Also really great marketing. Um, say what you want about Bad Robot, but they know how to market their films. <laughs> they get butts and seats, and I, I can appreciate that. But Cloverfield was fantastic. Another one that not a lot of people are talking about, two years later in 2010, uh, he did Let Me In. Now, this is a remake um, of a film of the, not the same name, the other one is Let the Right One In, I believe. But Let Me In is uh, a film about a bullied young boy that befriends a young female vampire who lives in secrecy with her guardian. It was also my first introduction to Cody Smith McPhee, uh, and I think Glowy Chris... Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz. No, because Kick-Ass came out in 2009, right? So maybe this was like my second um, thing uh, with her in it. That I was like, oh, she, she's pretty talented. But yes, it was my first introduction to Cody Smith-McPhee. Um, really, I think a, a very underrated movie in his filmography because as much as I like everything else uh, film-wise, not a lot of people talk about this one. I think it's a really creepy, eerie, just nice little horror romance film. Um, and so I want to see him do more of that. But I mean, I guess the Batman in some ways uh, kind of emulates a horror film. So, you know, he kind of did that. But Let Me In is a really, really nice one. So check it out. And then, of course, Matt Reeves bringing us to, I think, of the best blockbusters in the past 10 years with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes. These movies blew my mind. Because the first one with Rise, I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty good, I guess. So we'll see what happens with the se The sequel just kicks its ass. And I'm like, the first one just seems so moot at this point. It, it doesn't even feel like it should be a part of it. Um, the second and the third one, they elevate the story. They have more emotional weight. The effects are tighter and they're sharper. And they just really are eye-popping at times. Uh, making it seem like there's actual, like monkeys and gorillas uh operating on these sets like it, it's so photorealistic it just blows my mind but like the action is superb the story is engaging the performances are so so powerful andy circus as caesar it's just once again it just makes the first one just look so bad <laughs> in comparison but dawn and war spectacular blockbusters so good so check those out those were his previous ones uh, before the Batman. Um, you know, if I had to pick my favorite one, 
out of the four, and I'm like, all right, I can only pick one and the rest go away. I go with War because it's the last one in the trilogy. You know, I, I do feel like it's a hair, like, better than Dawn, and it's like they're both in the same camp, but if I had to just edge one out, it would be War. So, yeah, that that's uh, Matt Reeves' filmography, so you knew the Batman was going to be was going to be great. Uh, hopefully <laughs> just with, uh, with his filmography, but then we get to the star, the Robert Pattinson. Now, if anyone out there, I'm not even joking. If anyone out there wants to discredit him and just be like, well, he, he was in the twilight movies. He's not going to be a good Batman. Okay. Um, breaking Dawn part two, let me just Go down his filmography here. Breaking Dawn Part 2 came out 10 years ago. Can you not give the man a break? Because between Breaking Dawn Part 2, um, even with uh, between the Breaking Dawn movies, he came out with that Cosmopolis movie. So that was like his first kind of foyer into like um, doing the little bit more like obscure indie films that no one's going to probably ever watch. So he actually experimented with that before the Twilight series was um, was done. So, I've seen, listen, I've seen the Twilight movies. I think they're trash. I know a lot of people that love to watch them. I know a lot of, love, a lot of people that love to get drunk and watch them. I've seen them. I am fine with never really watching them again. It is what it is. But at least I can watch it to at least say to myself, like, hey, I've experienced it. They're just not for me. Then we get into my first venture into Robert Pattinson post-Twilight, which was The Rover. A24, um, small little film. Not a lot of people talked about it. This one uh, also has Guy Pierce. E yes. Um, this one tells the story, uh, 10 years after a global economic collapse, a hardened loner pursues the men who stole his only possession, his car. Along the way, he captures one of his thieves' brothers in the duo of form an uneasy bond during the dangerous journey. So a buddy movie, but also an apocalyptic movie. It's low budget. It's a 24. And you're like, wow. Like that was the movie. I remember saying to myself, I am so sorry, Mr. Pattinson. If you ever hear this, I am so sorry. I did not mean to dog on you all those times during the twilight movies. Because the rover for me was my first one. I was like, oh, wow, this guy means business. Um, after that, he did Maps to the Stars. I didn't see that one. Queen of the Desert, I did not see. Life. Uh, I, I did see The Lost City of Z in 2016. I thought that one was a really good one. Um, I had a really bad theater experience, but I won't I won't knock the theater experience on um, him or the movie. But like Charlie Hunnam, Tom Holland, Sienna Miller, directed by James Gray, who I thought did one of the best films of um what was it 2019 when it came out i think it was 2020 when ad astra came out anyways great little movie side side note um lost city z and then the second time i was blown away was good time from the safety brothers that is an amazing film i absolutely love that one i love uncut gems as well the safety brothers really know how to create anxious storytelling and really put the characters in 
precarious situations and watching them kind of crawl out of that corner, uh, whether it be lying to people or just doing things that are just very bad choices. But anyways, like it, they just create movies that are just, you're not really, you're rooting for the main character to find some help or get better or get out of this situation, but you kind of know deep down they're not going to make it. I don't know. They're just really interesting storytellers, but Good Time is uh, another reason why they're good storytellers. He's amazing now, and he acts uh, alongside Benny Safdie, who is one of the, the directors, but he's also starting to have like a, um, a side acting career. I love it. Then after that, he did Damsel. I remember Damsel, but I didn't see it. High Life, I also remember seeing trailers, didn't see it. Um, the Lighthouse from director Robert Eggers with him and uh, William uh, Defoe. You're going to walk out of that movie and you're going to be like, what did I just watch? But if you know the, I guess the craziness of like The Witch, then you will understand what a Robert Eggers movie is. I will say that The Lighthouse is probably the weirdest thing he's made so far. And this is, you know, uh going against the witch because the Northman hasn't come out yet but the lighthouse is just about a man slowly losing his sanity and we can't really decipher what is real and what isn't like what's all in his head and it's just a very bonkers just like uh, it's it's black and white it's like stuck on this island some of the scenes are just pushing Robert and like Willem to their limits and I kind of liked it you know, a movie about a, a man slowly losing his sanity, I thought was really well told. So, um, yes, The Lighthouse. And that's the last one I saw. Um, I actually didn't finish Tenet. I watched like 30 minutes of it. Uh, but then The Devil All the Time, the Netflix movie that came out in 2020, he was probably one of the better parts about it. He played a, a reverend. Um, so that was interesting to see. But once again, just kind of proves my point. He picks interesting projects. And regardless if people like him or not, the man's swinging for the fences. And you have to applaud him for it. So now we get into the Batman. And, you know, if people are still saying at this point, I will not see you because of the Twilight Boy, then I'm sorry, I can't help you. I just can't. You are a lost soul. That's all I got to say. So, yeah, it's one of those things to where... I uh, I just I guess I just don't respect you because he's done movies for the past ten years post that franchise. So watch some more movies. <laughs> so yes, I was super excited for him to be the Batman. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and just jump right into it. So when we come back from the break, I will be going over the Batman and whether I loved it or hated it or thought it was okay. I mean, there's a bunch of mixed opinions out there online. So I'll see you guys when we come back. <music> and welcome back from the break let's not waste any more time let's talk about the batman now this one comes to us from warner brothers it is currently in theaters if you want to check it out and please set aside some time to go see it uh between the length of the movie and the the trailers and the pre-show and all that stuff that the theaters uh, like to throw at you um you know just make sure you have enough time in the night now i will only uh uh, go with Alamo Drafthouse because at least they make the pre-shows cool, but uh, everyone else needs to stop doing 30-minute pre-shows. That's just my small little take there. But um, yes, yeah, so please uh, plan some time for this one. It, it is a, a long one. So 
Yeah, so what is this one about? When the Riddler, a sadistic serial killer, begins murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption and question his family's involvement. And of course, Batman is uh, in his second year of crime fighting, so he we, he's new to all of this. We are new to all of um, this this Batman, how he functions in this world. So you know, it was a new experience for everyone. But uh, yes, it is only his second year uh, uh, fighting crime. So. You know, going into this, I, I love director Matt Reeves. I think Dawn uh, of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes are two of the best blockbusters um, in the past 10 to 15 years. I wish he would have done the whole trilogy, but I'll take what I can get. Uh, but those are fantastic films. Please check those out. Um, and he also brought one person that he worked with uh, from those movies into this one, with Andy Serkis being uh, Alfred. Uh, and then, of course, Robert Pattinson. I've always been uh, amazed at the career choices that he has made post-Twilight. yes. Uh, I have seen all five of the Twilight films, and yeah, I, th I don't, I think they're trash. But you know what's really interesting is like when that franchise was done, I was generally curious to see where him and Kristen could go, and uh, I'm glad to see them just kind of flourish in the the indie world and be just indie darlings and in everything that they touch. But when they do big stuff like this, that they're also beloved, and that is just that's amazing to me. I'm glad that people are still uh, behind them, even um, you know after Twilight and everything. But for all the people out there uh, saying that, you know, they don't want to see this because he's in Twilight. He's done a lot more movies since then. Please give him a shot. It's been, what, 10 years since the last one came out? Come, come on, people can move on. Uh, so, yeah, anyways, I was curious to see where he was going to uh, do with it. I saw the movie, and I cannot stop thinking about it. This movie is fantastic, and it's probably... Uh, my favorite of the year so far. Uh, I know it's only March, but um, you know I wanted to see what movie was going to be the one to really set the expectations high for the rest of the year. This is the one that did it. Let's start with director Matt Reeves. What I think Matt Reeves does uh, really well is pretty much everything in this movie, and it's really hard. It's really hard to like um, break everything down. But uh, here, here's here's how I kind of compartmentalized it in my head. The first thing I want to mention is that his vision for Gotham is awesome. It, it is it is seedy, it is grimy, it is dark, it just feels like a slimy city. It feels like it is ripped off of the pages and stuck on the big screen. It doesn't feel like it's a city that they shot in on this planet and you know we're like, oh, that's like Chicago or like that's whatever. Um, and I think they filmed in Glasgow. Um but this is, it feels like its own separate thing. It feels like Gotham. And so it's its, it's own breathing character. Um, and so every time when someone was in a convenience store or walking down an alleyway or, or anything, it had its own sense uh, of personality and just energy. And I, I just, I really liked just the visual look to it. It really felt like it fit the neo noir vibe that he was trying to go for with like the, the voiceover and like the, the serial killer aspect of following the clues and trying to solve the crime. I just thought his actual vision for the way Gotham looked just adds so much atmosphere um, and tone over the entire film. It's sublime. The second thing is that he was able to direct us for almost three hours with a very compelling mystery. You know, this is the type of thing where when I saw the interviews... And he was saying that like the Riddler is a couple steps ahead of Batman at all times. I had that mindset going into it. So every time when Batman came up with a clue, I was already thinking like, oh, Riddler's already like 
three steps ahead of you, my man. You got you got to speed this up. And so that made it more fun to kind of watch the mystery unfold and kind of like solve the clues with Batman um, and see what he can come up with and see if you can actually figure it out uh, as an audience member for, before him and everything. Because the thing is, he's only in year two. So he's not perfect. He's still trying to figure out his his footing with the police department, with uh, uh, Jim Gordon and just the whole city. He's still trying to figure all that out. So he's not perfect at solving these clues. There's even a couple times where he fumbles in the movie. But that's what makes him a more compelling character is that we are seeing him uh, lose sometimes. We're seeing him fall a lot and you know lose his bravado and his, uh, his confidence as Batman. But he still, he still is willing to continue um, putting on that cowl and trying to do the best that he can with vengeance and, you know, figuring out towards the end that he's more than that. You know, he's a symbol of hope for these people. But like I said, in the meantime, solving this mystery and going from set piece to set piece, I was just really involved with the clues that were being given out by the Riddler, the performances that feel um, like there there's stakes to them because this is a time-sensitive mystery Everyone involved just has this like heightened sense of anxiety and you're just like you're in it with them because Batman's trying to solve it and everyone's trying to figure out what the heck is happening and where's the real like the whole thing about the mystery I thought was really compelling storytelling and there's even a couple of scenes where like Matt Reeves uses um, editing uh, in a unique way to really kind of keep it fresh uh, as the story is being told so it doesn't feel stale uh, and it feels like this, it's the same thing over and over again of Batman clue go here with Catwoman, go back to Clue, all that stuff. It's, the way it's put together, it just has such a nice rhythm to it that it is, it is uh, deliberately slow and really takes its time. And it really just kind of is paced out at this very just brisk pace. But you know that like every single scene is just is steeped with, with dread and atmosphere and acting and set piece and just um, action sometimes. It's just... It's just an environment. It's a it's a moody type of film, and I really enjoyed the way the story was told. And even when it got to the end, it was just a very explosive finale. I thought Matt Reeves did a fantastic job, kind of weaving and navigating through the story, keeping it fresh, um, having the action sequences pop, having the mystery be compelling, um, bringing out the best performances in the actors. You know, sprinkling bits of dark humor in there to kind of lighten up the mood a little bit. He's just a master storyteller, and I think this is no different. I want him to complete a trilogy in this, so don't have him do the first two and then have someone do the third one, or you know, do the first one, someone do the second one, he does the third one. I want him to do all of it. So let's not do the the apes thing again. He needs to do all three. But um, I thought it was a, a really great job, just kind of like telling the story. And then the action sequences. Also, uh, I love the hand to hand combat that Batman has with. Uh, criminals or like when he's in a, his Batmobile chasing down the penguin, all of it just feels visceral. It feels bone crunching. It feels like it hurts. It feels like this isn't like some staged choreographed fight. It feels like Batman's punching the crap out of people. And uh, the car chase has, has weight to it. It has real threat level. Like it's just absolutely insane to me that some of this stuff was captured on screen. And when you see it on the big screen, it's just absolutely exhilarating your, your jaw is just on the floor from the amount of intensity that is just brought to the screen because everything feels so grounded and so real and that has to do with the fights the car chases everything so i thought the action was also uh superb but um like i said my favorite part was uh, matt reeves really relying on the mystery and the story and how it unravels for all the characters um so yeah there's that so the action 
And then also the character work I thought was really well done. You know, I like the fact that Batman is this lost soul. He really seems like he's not connected to humanity anymore. And Matt Reeves is, is showing that. He's showing that, you know, he's kind of a dick towards Alfred sometimes. He is someone that's still trying to figure out his place in the world and in Gotham. And, you know, he just wants, he has so much anger inside of him. You know, he's kind of lost some of his humanity. And I like the fact that Matt Reeves kind of sprinkled character moments throughout, making Batman having these kind of empathetic moments, like with Alfred um, in the hospital or, you know, at the end when he realizes that he should be more for Gotham and be a symbol of hope. That's wonderful character work. And it's just really just crafting a perfect character arc for each person. I thought was absolutely wonderful. Um, and, of course, uh, uh, speaking of Alfred... Um, you know, Andy Circus, I thought, did a really great job kind of being the father figure for Batman. Um, he knows that he can't really overstep his bounds because even there's a time in the movie where, you know, Bruce is like, you're not my father and all that stuff. But, like, he's still there. That's his su support system. And I really, really like the fact that he even got roped into this mystery and um, really his life was at risk. And I think in the sequel, I can't wait to see him come back and kind of do a lot more stuff. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. Really great stuff as well because at, at first she's just a... A person that, you know, goes to work and at night she uh, steals from a lot of people and uh, she just tries to live her life. And then she get, she crosses paths with Batman and we get, get to see her kind of grow as well and how she's connected to all these characters. Um, and then, yeah, I really liked, you know, like the Riddler and like just the way he felt um, absolutely terrifying. And I, I like Paul Dano's performance. But also, you understood where he came from. You know, those are the best types of villains. Those are the best, like, three-dimensional villains are ones that we can slightly empathize with and we can understand where they're coming from, even though we don't agree on how they're executing it. So I, I thought um, he handled the Riddler uh, really well, too. I don't know what else more to add um, to uh, Matt Reeves and the way he tells the story. He He's just a master. He really is. Uh, Performance-wise, everyone does a fantastic job. Um Robert Pattinson is a lot of physic physicality in his performance. Uh, you know, he kind of delivers most of his lines in one uh, set tone, but that makes total sense from to where, like, you know, Batman is at in his life at that point. Um, I like the fact that he can put on his his cowl and we can understand what his eyes are saying and what his, uh, what his face is doing and uh, how it emotes and how we can feel that as an audience, and he doesn't even have to say a word. I like the fact that he has this presence with Gotham PD and that people fear him. And like, he, he wants to be that, uh, that symbol of fear for criminals and everything. And you can feel that presence as he's, he's walking. He's not even saying anything. And so I really liked, uh, how he just, he did everything where it was, uh, all facial acting, all body movements, physicality, and then all of the dialogue scenes, um, with specific people. He really just kind of understood that, Bruce Wayne is this broken soul and he has lost his, his connection to humanity. And like, you know, there's glimpses of hope with like Catwoman and stuff and how he connects with her. And I just thought it was a really dynamic performance from Robert Pattinson. I mentioned Andy Serkis as uh, Alfred, uh, really great stuff. Paul Dano is the Riddler. Absolutely horrifying. I like the fact that he uh, was kind of unexpected so every time when he would have a scene and he was talking to someone you had no idea what he was going to say how he was going to act how he was going to move he was like this slithering snake that just like would slither for a little bit and kind of like just sit there and like you're just like 
you want to stay away from this guy because you just don't trust him. Um, but um, yeah, I, you just got the sense that he was just this slimy person. Um, and I thought Paul Dano really just kind of uh, emphasized that. And he just did a really terrifying job um, as that character. And I absolutely loved watching his performance. Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. Really great stuff. I want to see more from her. Uh, but I think for her first outing, uh, she had a lot to do. Um, and I appreciate that. Uh, Colin Farrell is the penguin under all that makeup. I still couldn't figure out if it was him or not. Um, he, you cannot tell. And so, uh, with his performance, I thought he also, uh, was just in the makings of being the, like the super villain. So at the end of the movie, you're like, okay, he's going to do some real damage in the sequel, but, um, just right off the bat with that accent, um, with the, the amount of backstabbery that the penguin has, I thought Colin Farrell did a wonderful job. And then uh, John Totoro as Carmine Falcone, really great stuff because he's got no makeup to hide behind. He has no suit to hide behind. He is just a person, but he is the most despicable person of the entire um, character list on this uh, in this movie, besides maybe Peter Skarsgård as the DA. Woo-wee, John Totoro, you, you just wanted to punch him in the face. He was just pure evil. So unlike the Riddler, it's like, you don't really under you don't have any empathy towards this guy. You don't understand anything he's trying to do. He just wants to hurt people. Um, but that is the power of uh, Totoro's acting. He just very just quietly and kind of just he could be in a scene and just say like something really simple, but you can get that feeling that he is just an overall bad dude just from the way he talks. But um, yeah, all the performances are spectacular. So to touch upon the uh, the uh, the the length of the movie, I think it's edited actually pretty well for it being a two hour and 45 minute movie. Um, but just be prepared. Um, this is not, you know, some action beat em up movie that, you know, is like action packed every 10 minutes. This is a very, um, methodical movie. It's, it's a, it's a slow burn. It is, you know, us as an audience and Batman trying to figure out this mystery and the clues and just, it's all about the atmosphere and the way it's presented. And it's just, it's supposed to make you feel unnerved and, and creeped out and it just it's a different type of vibe than like the Christopher Nolan movies or you know uh Michael Keaton and all that stuff so it's a different rhythm it's a different pace but I think it works because what they were trying to execute I thought they executed it really well um and then the score the score and the sound design are absolutely just superb on every single level I've listened to that Michael Giacchino Batman theme over and over again ever since I've seen the movie I just think that is the type of score um, that is, one, it's memorable. Two, it fits with the movie. And three, it's actually used in different um, uh, different scenes, different vibes, but it's, all, it's, it's slowed down. It's used um, by just a, a piano in a couple of scenes. It's also used with, with strings and like it's different instruments implementing the same song, but in different patterns. And it's absolutely effective in every single scene, whether it be like this fast-paced, um, energetic scene or like this horrific scene of Batman lurking around the corners because this movie does have a horror vibe to it. It's like a serial killer movie. So it's horrifying in some aspects. When it's slowed down or like when there's a little bit of romance fluttering between him and Catwoman, it's used um, in a different sense in that way too. So it's the it's a score that's it's uh, used in many different ways, shape, or form. And it fits every single time. Um, and then, yeah, I know people are commenting on the Nirvana song. I actually kind of liked it. Um, once again, 
adds to the atmosphere. But uh, yeah, I thought the music was was wonderful, and then the sound design of the Batmobile, the you know just even Batman being at the club with all these people around, and he's fighting all these henchmen, and like it's just stuff like that that just make you appreciate like sound design even more because it's just such a complex movie with so many sounds just drenched into every single scene, but it's just sewn together beautifully to make this wonderful Batman quilt that we all just kind of like got to witness and it's just something really special. I know I, I went on for quite a bit, but I, I really love this movie and I really uh, hope you do too. And that'll do it for my review of the Batman. Please let me know down below whether you loved it, hated it, thought it was okay, all that stuff. I would like to know your thoughts. But that will do it for this episode of the Real Man Cold Movie Podcast. Episode 351 is in the bag. Next week, episode 352 will be over. Pixar's Turning Red. Um, really excited to talk about that one with you guys. It hit Disney Plus, you know, uh, yesterday at the time of this recording. So, you know, check it out. It gives you time to, to watch it, and then we can talk about it together. So that will be next week. And I haven't figured out the next two weeks. Um, but also with next week's main episode, you guys will also get many reviews of X, the new Ty West movie. Um, um, really looking forward to that. And then uh, Master, the Amazon Prime video release uh, starring Regina Hall. Super excited for that one too. So you guys will get a couple mini reviews and a main um, uh, episode. So a lot, lot to uh, have next week. So there's some weeks where I just don't have anything. And there's going to be some weeks like that where I'm just going to be bombarded. So uh, enjoy. <laughs> but yes, that will do it for this episode of the Real Man Corn Movie Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Chase Lee. Thank you for joining me on this wonderful day or night or whenever you're listening to this. I hope you guys had a fun time at the gym or just walking around or if this is in your car while you're driving. Um yeah, I hope you guys uh, just enjoyed the conversation and everything, and hope you enjoyed the Batman I am Vengeance. So uh, that will do it for this episode. I am Chase Lee, and tune in next week for another episode of this crazy podcast. I will see you guys next week.